Welcome to the Imperfectly Impactful Podcast. My name is Catherine, and I am a proud, high-achieving woman overcoming the relentless pursuit of perfection and weight of people-pleasing. Come with me as we discover how embracing your imperfections can lead to immense growth and enable you to make a difference in your life and the lives of others. From candid conversations to empowering stories, I will guide you to unleash your full potential and craft your unique path to impact. Join me every week as we celebrate imperfection, cultivate self-acceptance, and prove that even the most imperfect journeys can lead to the most impactful destinations. So let's get started. Well, welcome back everybody to another episode here. We are so excited. I'm personally very excited to be sharing with you a wonderful person today. Uh, She's actually my own life coach. We've been working together the past few months, really started, I want to say at the beginning of when my whole transformation started right after Powerhouse Women. So very fortunate to kind of have that in line with what's been going on. She's an amazing human being. I'm going to let her introduce herself fully. Lindsay Luttrell is my life coach and welcome to the show. Thanks, Catherine. I'm really excited to be here. I'm honored to be one of your first guests. So thank you. Yes. Well, I'm so excited. And before we jump into all like the meaty questions and all the information and knowledge that you have to share with everybody, I would love for you to give everyone just a brief kind of background on who you are and how have you gotten to be a life coach and where you are today and how I was able to find you. Okay. So I'll I'll try to be as brief as I can. My entire life, I've been fascinated with human behavior since I was a young child. I've always wondered why people do what they do. In elementary school, I remember pulling out my homework. And when I noticed that like another kid didn't pull theirs out and had not done theirs, I would literally run through scenarios in my head as to like, I wonder why he didn't do it. Like it's his homework. Like why, why do you think that he wouldn't able, you know, he wasn't able to do it. So then couple that with, I've always noticed that people feel really comfortable talking to me and sharing information with me. And I think it's because partly I give off a vibe that I'm open, but then when they get to talking to me, I ask questions and I really listen because I'm legit curious. I think it makes people just, you know, start to pour out, you know, how they're feeling. And my husband and I joke about this because He'll get up to go to the bathroom, take a call. And when he gets back, the person next to me has gifted me their life story. And I mean, it even happened a few times when we were traveling in Europe. So that's amazing. These two, like, you know, he's like, oh, here we go. Like he's, (laughs) he's met a new friend and, and we'll be Facebook friends or Instagram friends or whatever. And like, sometimes I still keep up with these people. So take those two things about me. Fast forward to college. I thought I was going to be a doctor. And then I took chemistry. And I realized very quickly that not in this world was I ever going to be a doctor. I was taking psychology 101 at Ole Miss and I loved it. I didn't want to miss class. It kept me engaged. And I thought, why don't I just fill up my schedule with classes like these? Because it's something that I'm really interested in and I want to learn as much about it as I can. So I did. I did very well. And all my professors wanted me to go to grad school But all I could think about was money, student loans. And even though I had scholarships, I couldn't bear to run up this big student loan tab when I still wasn't clear on exactly what I wanted to do in the field. I just liked the field. I just loved learning about it. It helped me learn a lot about myself. And so I didn't take that step. For the next 10 years, I knew I was good with people. So I just kind of toggled back and forth between sales jobs and the restaurant business, uh, serving tables and bartending. And I loved it. And it served me 
very well for that time in my life because I was a big partier and I was very social. And then after 10 years, I combined the two and I got a job at a wine and liquor distributor selling booze to bars and restaurants. And I loved it. And I made lots of money. And really, you know, I mean, there's lots of like tasks associated with it, but I was really just sitting down with people, tasting wine, whiskey, and talking. We would talk about their life. We'd talk about my life. Sometimes I would even help some of them solve some of their problems. And I got really close to a lot of those customers. And I met my husband at that company. He was my boss. Good for you. And I was, yeah, I know a lot of people are like, mm, that's kind of shitty. But remember, this is the alcohol business. So there aren't really a lot of rules in the alcohol business world. And as a matter of fact, that company, four married couples from that company. Wow. Yeah, it's crazy. I was like, y'all should double as like a dating company. So at 34, everything shifted. I was going through what I like to call like growing pains, which by the way, everyone should have at least one large set of growing pains each decade. I was in the process of going inward. I was doing a ton of work and it was different than the work I was doing in my twenties. In my thirties, I was really nurturing the relationship with myself. And I was uncovering so much, so much so that I was coming term, coming to terms with the fact that I'd outgrown my career mm. and I fought it so hard because it was easy and it was comfortable. And I was like, well, I thought this was the career I was going to have forever because it's so fun. And it took me a while. I kind of battled with that. And when I finally came around to accepting it, I realized that it was much deeper. The What I was putting out into the world, it wasn't the value that I wanted to add. It, it didn't match who I was anymore. Don't get me wrong. Getting people buzzed has its value, but that's not who I was. So I started hunting for the career that did match who I was. And I didn't want to go back to school because I was going to become a mom in the next few years. And remember student loans. I didn't want to do that because I still wasn't clear about where I wanted, what path I wanted to take. I was listening to Joe Rogan's podcast and he had on a life coach named Christine Hassler and she really resonated with me. And I got excited and I sent it to my husband and he was like, you would be really great at that. So I did my research, like a lot of research. I read a book from one of the like OG first life coaches and it was just a full body. Yes. And I had not been excited this excited about something in a really long time. So I signed up uh, with a course. I was doing it nights and weekends in addition to my full-time job. And I was like equal parts exhausted, but also like really motivated. And I had not told anyone except for my husband, because what if I failed? And so I didn't want to tell the world because I would be humiliated if it didn't work out. So I kept it really close to the vest. And I remember my friends knew that I was looking, but I had not actually told them like, this is what I want to do. So I was at a bourbon distillery in Kentucky. And one of my friends, Autumn, sent me a text out of the blue. And it just said, have you ever thought about being a life coach? I think you'd be really good at that. And I almost dropped my whiskey. I leaned over to my husband because remember, he was my boss when we worked together. I showed him the text and we got a good giggle. And then I just thanked the universe for the confirmation. And so after a couple of years doing it as a side hustle, it finally came time for it to be my full career. And at first I was really just focusing on goals and plans. And that's what a lot of people think of when they think of life coach. 
oh, they help you get like a plan for life or like they help you reach your goals. Yes. And each life goal has a niche. And I realized that all the work that I had accomplished after I turned inward and really got to know myself significantly made my life better. All the self-discovery work that I was doing had made me even more confident and had made my life just more peaceful. My inner voice was mostly, mostly positive. My anxiety was so much better. And just like overall, I was living an authentic and aligned life. And I just said, that's like what I want to do for other women. I want other women to feel like I feel. I want them to know that they can really dig deep into who they are and uncover so much that they can't ignore it and uncover who they really are and what they really want. So I started putting my program together and then I started attracting beautiful clients like you. Yes. And here we are. I love I love the story because I think it aligns so much to what you have on your website. And then during our discovery call, I really think, and you hit on it through all of that, it was you had been through it yourself transitioning out of corporate. And that's kind of what I was going through that time is trying to figure out how was I going to leave? When was I going to leave? What was it going to look like? As well as, and you shared this with me, you didn't talk about much here, but your perfectionism side too, that you had to work through, which also entail was the anxiety and you going inward and having to do this, do this stuff, which is where I think you've helped me is you've done it all yourself. Like you said, you went through all that inner work. You had to go through and work through the processes and that's how you are where you are now. And yes, still not perfect, still working through it, you know, every day, but you put in those tools Gosh, yes. and the time that you put in the tools and time and it shows. And now you can help your clients and other people like me, like we've talked about in the sense of, I know you've done it. So I know it's possible for myself as well. And you're helping guide me and show me along the way. So I think that was beautifully said. It's just crazy to think all you've done and all the different areas you've been to. And I know we're going to hit on more how you work through kind of perfectionism, because that is a lot of what you help other women do. Yes. Awesome. Which perfectionism, by the way, I like to kind of, I have like a love hate with it because, you know, I don't want to let it go completely because I do feel like it does serve a little bit of purpose, right? But you have to kind of lean into it a little bit during the times that you, you know, it can serve you, but you can't let it overtake you. And you have to know when it's not serving you and when to kind of step away. And that's a, it's a dance and it's something that you have to practice. Yes. Lots of practice. I feel like I've heard that <laughs> a lot over the past few weeks is it's always uh-huh. not going to be perfect. It just takes practice over time to get to where you need to be. Well, I think it's a great lead in to kind of talking about what we talk about a lot is there's all these interconnections on your beliefs and your thoughts and what causes your emotions. And we've worked through a lot of that stuff. So I'd love for you to share with the listener about how you've broken down kind of the steps to begin replacing those thoughts that you have, such as that it has to be perfect. Um, This is what I always have known. This is the environment I'm in. How do we start changing those thoughts and beliefs to kind of go down different paths and make changes? Yes, this is. So we do a lot in, in my coaching program, as you know, but the, the thread that is throughout my entire coaching, I mean, even the women that have coached with me for years and years always ties back to your inner voice, your self-talk how you speak to yourself, what you say to yourself, how critical are you, how loving are you, et cetera, et cetera. While I was bartending, I'll tell you how all this came about. 
I noticed that like some days I'd come to work and I would be in the best mood and I would be engaging with my customers so well and I'm making all this money and I just feel good. And then some days I just felt shitty and I would come in and I wouldn't be engaging with my customers as much and I didn't like my outfit and blah, 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 blah. And I remember one day being like, how can the pendulum swing so far? I didn't, on the days that I felt crappy. I didn't break up with a boyfriend. I didn't get in a fight with anyone. There wasn't like an event on the good days. I didn't win the lottery. You know, there wasn't like an event that caused me to be in this mood. And so I started to pay attention. And what I noticed was it usually started around the time I started to get ready. Uh, The dialogue I started noticing the dialogue. If I felt like my makeup was looking good and I liked my outfit and the drive was easy and I was just talking to myself very positively, I would have a good shift and vice versa, right? If I was really critical or nitpicking, you know, there was traffic or whatever, that would usually lead me to have a bad shift. That's really what what got me into this whole self-talk universe because it really, really is one of the most important things that you can do, especially as a high achieving woman, because a lot of times as high achieving women, we are busy. And what happens when we're busy? We're on autopilot. What happens when we're on autopilot? We're not paying attention to the thoughts that are happening upstairs. You know, we're not aware of all the thoughts that we're having all the time anyway. But if you're on autopilot and you're not paying any attention to the thoughts that are happening, they're going to, they're going to rule you and they're going to run away, right? You're going to be lost in another, you know, galaxy thinking all these really crazy critical thoughts. What I learned, and this is from books that I've read, podcasts that I've listened to, all the information that I've kind of gathered along the way. So this is nothing that I've like made up myself, but what, what has rang true for me and for all of my clients so far, I, a thought appears. That thought produces an emotion. That emotion produces a sensation in the body. And that sensation in the body produces an action or behavior. I'm going to break this down and give you two examples. But emotions, we don't know that we're anxious or sad until we feel it in our body, right? And it's in that moment that you're like, oh my God, my chest is tight. I'm having a hard time catching a breath. Oh shit, I'm anxious. So it's really important to recognize when the emotion is first triggered or produced, you don't realize it until the sensations in your body start happening. So example one, you want to have a hard conversation with a girlfriend. Is you're one of your best friends and you're like, okay, I've got to have a hard conversation with her. The first thought that is produced after you have this realization, she's going to get mad at me. And then other thoughts appear. She's not going to want to be friends with me. She's going to hate me. She's not going to agree with me. We're going to get into a fight, blah, 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 blah. Now, those thoughts produce the emotion of anxiety, but you don't know you're anxious yet. Your body and your mind are hard at work producing thoughts, producing these emotions. And then all of a sudden your mind is like, Hey, we have created the scenario. We are going to lose our best friend. This is not good. We need to be anxious. And so the body's like, cool. Let me let the human know that we're going to be anxious. Let me increase her heart rate. Let me make her palms sweaty. Let me tighten her chest. Let me give her the jitters. And then all of a sudden you feel these sensations in your body and you're like, 
uh-uh, fuck that. I'm not having the conversation. It's not happening. So you don't move forward and have the conversation with your girlfriend. Now, second scenario, same, same initial event. You realize you need to have a tough conversation with a girlfriend. The first thought that appears is, you know what? She's gonna, this is gonna bring us closer, which produces more thoughts, right? She's gonna respect me. We're gonna learn more about each other. We're going to take our friendship to the next level. We can work through this together. Your mind has created the scenario and it's like, hey, we're going to be closer with our best friend. Hey, body, tell our human that we want to be optimistic. So then the body's like, cool, let me produce sensations of calm, open heartedness, maybe a little bit of like giddiness and excitement. And then you feel these sensations in your body and you're like, oh yeah, we're having this conversation. And then you move forward with the conversation. The reason I wanted to point those two out is that it's the same event, having a conversation with a girlfriend, but two very different thoughts. And after the trickle down happens, it leads to very different behaviors or actions. Yes. Well, and it's funny you mentioned that because of our work together, I have seen a difference. Like I still have maybe those original thoughts that have always popped up, but I've started adding in. And we've talked about this briefly, and I don't know if any of my listeners know this, but I have a fear of flying. And to the point of, I mean, there has been the past probably two, three years where I get on and I would be so nauseous. I can't turn my head. Like if my husband's with me, I'm a slightly better, mm. I know, but I fly so much by myself that I would get, I mean, I'd be start freaking out as soon as I step foot on the plane and I would just feel it in my body. And then we've worked through some techniques, which we'll get through or get to here in a little bit, but of I can breathe and having to work through also just as I step on the plane now, I've learned to redirect also my thoughts. So it's we're going to be okay. Or, all right, let me get my notebook out or my book out and just try to like focus on something else. So the thoughts don't keep going to cause those feelings and the emotions and everything else. So it's funny you mentioned that. And then on the flip side of it, I've also learned this, and I don't even think we've talked about this much, but it was a new realization to me is when I feel it in a day and want to react to it. So such as having a conversation with a girlfriend, I've learned to give myself 24 hours and actually sleep on it before I start talking to people. Because the original emotion I feel is not always maybe how I truly feel or should be feeling. And I realize that (laughs) it's it's a newer realization for me. So uh, listeners, you're hearing this for the first time. Um, But it's just funny to process that and understand it now and realize, you know, 24 hours later, okay, how I felt is understandable, but how can I approach it differently and react a little differently? So I, I love how you break it down and how we've gone through it and also how you explained it because It really is funny how it starts with the event and then it's the thoughts and the emotions and then the body, it's all interconnected and you don't realize it until someone explains it that way, like you. And if you pay attention, if you're listening to this, if you pay attention, you'll be able to recognize the trickle down effect too. I just realized that I haven't gotten to answer your question of how to replace the thoughts, but I feel like all of that, you know, I had to go through that first. Yes. But before I answer that question, when you were talking, you were just talking about emotions. There are two different types of emotions or emotional reactions. The first is primary. A loved one passes away and you get sad, right? Like an event happens and it automatically triggers an emotion or you're walking down a dark alley and someone starts running after you, right? Fear and is triggered immediately. Then there's the secondary emotions um, or emotional reactions, vice versa. That is an emotion or an emotional reaction that comes from thoughts, right? 
So two very different types of emotions. If you have created a scenario in your head that your best friend is going to not be your best friend after you have this conversation and you're feeling anxious, then yes, while you are actually feeling that emotion of anxiety, you're actually feeling it. It is a real feeling. Is the emotion true, right? Mm -hmm. Like, is it true? Like, should you actually really be anxious? No, because you've created a scenario in your head. I love that you say that because you give yourself an opportunity to get back to a level of homeostasis, get out of that emotional, you know, headspace, and then return to a place of like calm before you, oh, bravo. Yes. Exactly. It's it's an amazing thing once you start having the awareness of the thoughts and how they're interconnected to the emotions and your actions and everything. So with that being said, we go from all this breakdown of how you feel the one scenario versus the other. How can we go from she's going to be upset, she's going to be mad at me when I have the conversation with my girlfriend to this is what needs to happen. We are going to be closer together all of that stuff. So Mm -hmm. talk us through kind of that replacement of working. And I guess this is the technique piece of how can we go from scenario one to scenario two? Yes. The word that you just used, awareness, 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 that if, if my clients don't get anything else from coaching with me, which I hope they do, but if they don't, they will get tons of awareness. The level of awareness that my clients have about them, themselves, their life, whatever is like, it skyrockets, right? So you have to have the awareness. Dr. Daniel Amen, who I think is just amazing. He says, thoughts are just sentences produced by the mind. That's literally all that they are. Whatever thoughts your mind produces is based on your experiences and your belief systems and your environment, et cetera, et cetera. The first thing you have to do is you have to start being a little more aware of your thoughts. You cannot control what thought pops up or when it pops up, but you can control what you do with the thought once you become aware of it. If you are on autopilot and you're not paying attention to what's happening up there, you're not going to catch these thoughts. But once you start catching them, that's when the magic starts happening. Because at this point, you're just accepting these negative thoughts. You're accepting them as truth and they're running your life. The other way that you can do it was distraction, which is what you said you'll do sometimes, right? Take your focus off the thought and turn it to something else, right? And the third is replacing the thought. And there's this really beautiful um, process that our brain goes through called neuroplasticity. And it's essentially the ability for our brain to change, improve over time. When it comes to replacing, right? If you are constantly thinking this one thought over and over again, imagine like an infinity sign. It's like your brain's on a loop. But the minute that you take your finger and stop it, you put your hand or your finger in the middle of that infinity loop and you stop the thought where it is and you replace it, you send your you send your, your, your pathway, the thoughts take a different path, right? They stop going on the pathway of that same critical thought and they go, oh, okay, she wants to think this. Let's try this way. Over time, your brain will start going, you know, Catherine used to think this thought all the time, but lately she's been thinking this one. So let's try to go this way. And the more that you replace that thought, the more your brain is going to take that pathway instead. There's two ways that I like to, you know, work with my clients on to replace their thoughts. 
because it's not really simple for people to just say like, Hey, I'm thinking this thought and I don't want to think this thought anymore. And I want to replace it because they might not believe the thought that they want to replace it with. So the first is to use self-compassion. I like to use this particular method when it's like a physical trait or a physical characteristic about yourself, right? Like if you think your nose is too big or if you think that you, you know, like for me, I'm like, oh, I wish my lips were bigger, right? Like physical traits or like if you think that you're too mean or too nice or whatever, right? So any sort of like physical characteristic, when you start having that critical thought and you notice that you're having it and you're like, okay, I don't want to have this thought anymore. You say to yourself, would I say this to my best friend? And the answer should always be no, right? If it's like, like, for example, should be, (laughs) right? Should be, Um, you know, but like, here's a, here's a, a good one. A lot of my clients have the thought, I'm not a good mom. And that's one that you would never say to your best friend, right? So you, you notice you're having this thought, I'm not a good mom. And you're like, would I say this to my best friend? And you're like, hell no. And then you say, how would my best friend feel if I said this to her? It's probably really crappy. Well, if it's making her feel pretty crappy, imagine how it's making you feel, right? And then you say, if my best friend came to me and said, God, I'm a, I'm a really bad mom. What would I say to her? What would, what advice would I give to her? What positive love would I give to her back? And whatever that answer is, if that advice is good enough for her, what's damn sure good enough for you. Mm-hmm. So you take that advice and you pull out a piece of that, that you want to start saying to yourself, you know, for example, maybe she comes to you and she says, she's a really bad mom. And you say, are you kidding? You love your children so much and you're doing the best you can do. And you're like, oh, that's what I want to say to myself. So every time you hear yourself say, I'm a bad mom and you notice it, stop, take a breath and tell yourself, actually, I really love my children and I'm doing the best that I can. And you replace it every single time. After a while, you notice that your brain goes to the new thought a little bit more and to the old thought a little bit less. I love that. And I think one thing I'll say just real quick, because it was all really good information there. The one thing you had me do is almost journal on it, kind of write it down, like some of the thoughts that I am like, as I sat there and thought on or for over the course of a week or two, like writing down those things that I started to realize were running in my head. So that's what I highly recommend uh, for you all listening is when you have the thought, even if you can't fully process and journal at the moment, write that thought down. Like I'm a bad mom or I am not smart. I am not good at whatever it may be, wherever you're struggling. And then use that in your kind of as a journal prompt of, well, what if my best friend came and told me that, that she felt that way? How would I respond to her? So then you can start utilizing and see it. Cause I feel like there's one thing of thinking it and changing it, but you sometimes have to visually see it written down or process it. And sometimes you don't have time in the moment. So at least jot it down. Cause that's one thing you taught me. And I thought was a great way to work through in more depth, those thoughts, especially. Yep. Talking, writing, in my opinion, best two ways to process information, gets it out of your head onto another, you know, platform or whatever. But yeah, so Catherine's right. When I like, as I'm talking here, like I don't have time to go like in depth to like everything. So there's actually a lot more questions that I ride out, mm-hmm. you know, for this process, but those are like really like the top three. It will really be a game changer when you, when you see yourself write down, I am a bad mom. 
Like when you write it out, you're going to be like, what? I can't believe I'm talking shit to myself like that. Like, how could I say that to myself? Right. But you do. And you say it all the time. And even times that you don't even become aware of it. So yes, she's great point. Yes. All right. So that was number one. So what's the second? So that was the self-compassionate learning self-compassion. So what's that Mm -hmm. second way of replacing our thoughts? Yes. So last thing I'll say about self-compassion, the more you do this, you're essentially neuroplasticity, teaching your brain to be more compassionate with yourself, to be more compassionate and loving and kind with your thoughts. The second one really works with everything else that's not a physical trait or characteristic. And that is just challenging the thoughts. A lot of times, a lot of times we create create scenarios in our head that are just simply not true, have not happened yet, probably not going to happen. And you're in this place where you're like, let's just say that you haven't heard from your boyfriend. He's supposed to call you. You haven't heard from him. All of a sudden you're like, he's at his ex-girlfriend's house. He's cheating on me. And you're running with this thought. And this is a thought. Every time your boyfriend doesn't call you, that's where you go. Well, when you challenge the thought, you know, you ask a series of questions. In my program, there's like a list of like eight questions, but I'll just pull out a few. The very first thing that you want to do is you want to ask yourself, where's this thought coming from? Because it's coming from somewhere. Something has triggered it. So if you're able to be like, okay, well, my boyfriend hasn't called me. Like that's where it's coming from. Or I haven't heard from him, you know, all day or whatever, or he's running late. So, you know, like, okay, like there is something that happened that has led my brain down this crazy thought spiral. And then you can start fact checking it. Cause once you identify where it's from, you're like, okay, like I'm not crazy. This isn't coming out of left field. What are the facts? Like, do you know for a fact, are you at the girlfriend's house watching him? No. Has he done it to you before? No. What are the facts to support this thought? And most of the time there are none or there are very little fact, right? Because a thought is just a sentence produced by the mind. So your thought is just producing crazy likely scenario of of why he hasn't called you. Another one is, is this thought serving me? No, absolutely not. So if this thought is not serving you, why don't you pick a thought that better serves you? Uh, is this thought getting you what you want? No, it's making you think that your boyfriend's cheating on you. So like, why don't you think a thought that better gives you, better gives you what you want? After you've kind of fact check it and you calm down and you get back to like a, a place where you're like, okay, that's just my mind playing tricks on me. Then you're able to say like, what would I rather be thinking? Well, I would rather, rather be thinking that he's just caught up at work. I would rather be thinking that he's stuck in traffic. I'd rather be thinking that he's buying me flowers and he doesn't want to ruin the surprise, you know, whatever it is, but ask yourself, what would you rather be thinking? And then replace that thought with that thought. Or maybe it's just that you would rather be thinking that he's going to call you when he's not busy. He's going to call me when he's not busy. It's fine. Everything's fine. Those are just the two ways that I like to break it down for clients, you know, After a while, you'll get to a point where you can just start replacing them, right? After you've used these methods so much, but they're really good, like starter pack, you know? Agreed. Agreed. I I will say it's what we've done just in the short period of time. It's been what, four months, I think at this point, we've been working together almost around there, just pulling the little nuggets every time and you just helping me along the way. And I think I love that you've hit on different sections here, like of the questions that you've asked me and any client that you've ever had, 
as we go through the process, these are actually questions you are asking us and you get into so much more depth. Like you said, I mean, that's two or three, you shared a, kind of a couple sections and you dive into eight to 10, sometimes 12 questions that we have to do as our exercise before meeting and just the depth and the I don't even know how to explain it, like just how deep it goes, because you start so high level and it dives deeper and deeper and deeper. It's something that anyone probably could do on their own, but having someone to guide them through it and then give them the actual techniques like this of how to work through to start replacing or becoming aware is just a whole different story. And I don't, and ultimately, I don't think you can do it alone. I think you do have to have that person that whether it's a life coach like you or someone else to help you talk it through and guide you through it. Because if I just sat here and answered those questions, I'd be like, oh, okay, yeah, like that's how I feel. And then you don't do anything with it. I feel like that's what happens a lot of times. Yes. I yeah. just, I, it's a, incredible what you've created through this program. And I know you have a couple different options too, based on affordability and working one-on-one with you versus kind of more on a, I'm not going to say virtual side, but kind of on your own, at your own pace. I would love for you to share with everyone how they can actually work with you or at least one of your programs that you have, because this was just a very high level of what you dive into in emotions, thoughts, and beliefs and everything. I know. I'm like, God, I can't believe we've already been talking this it's long. It's been so long. I could keep going. I mean, there's so much. I know. So yes, for the people that want to work with me one-on-one, want to have that, you know, two times a month accountability face-to-face, I do offer one-to-one coaching and I'm actually, um, haven't uh, like put it on my social media yet, but I'm going to open up five slots in January Yay. So with one-to-one coaching, which is really good, I'm excited about that. And then I also created a course for the people who were like, I don't know, I'm not really ready to dive in with this girl I don't know and talk one-on-one, or I don't have the money to do that yet. I do have a course on my website that just focuses on creating a more healthy and positive inner voice. And the, and self-talk. And it is, I mean, it's so in depth and it dives super deep. So those are the two options that I have available right now. And then I've, I've been, you know, toying around with the concept of doing some sort of like group coaching around the course. So that will probably come sometime next year. But yeah, my, those are the ways that you can work with me currently. Yeah. And then in the show notes, I'll have all that information, your social media handles. They can find you on Instagram, Facebook. You share a lot of wonderful things there because I follow along and love. I'd love to see the mix of like the family and then all these inspirational things too that you share and it all ties into who you are and what you do. So it's amazing. But before I let you go, is there any last advice, words you'd like to leave with everybody? You know, as, especially as a woman, I don't think that enough people understand the power behind how you speak to yourself. Long after everyone else in your life is no longer with you, you are still going to have yourself. And the relationship that you have with yourself is the most important. It sets the tone for every other relationship in your life. The way that you speak to yourself, the way that you motivate yourself, the way that you believe in yourself or not believe in yourself. If you don't believe in yourself, then how are you going to get other people to believe in you, right? Really pay attention to how you speak to yourself. Really start to focus on managing that inner voice, that self-talk to keep it more positive on most days. And I promise you, your life will look much different. And I am working through that myself. It's amazing, (laughs) though. 
how much has already happened in just a short four months. So thank you so much, Lindsay. This was amazing. Thank I you. hope everyone took away some fun nuggets and little areas that they can take back with them and go follow Lindsay and learn more from her because I promise it's never ending. So <laughs> woohoo! Thank you for joining us today. If you know someone who could benefit from my message or our guest, don't hesitate to share this episode with them. Together, we can create a supportive community that embraces imperfection and is learning what makes us truly impactful. So until our next episode, keep celebrating your imperfections and cultivating self-acceptance. I believe in you.